Hello, and welcome to Marriage and Money, a conversational podcast about personal financial topics aimed at improving conversations about money in your marriage so you can reach your dreams together. This is a weekly discussion brought to you by a seemingly financially incompatible couple bonded by the legal contract of marriage. My name is David, your favorite saver, and I'm joined in addition with Heather. Um, We are honored to be joined by our first special guest. We'd love to hear from all of you. Please send us your questions or comments. You can email us at marriageandmoneypodcast at gmail.com or message us on Instagram at marriage.and.money. So we have a great show for you today. We're really excited. We're trying out a new format to the podcast. We're going to start bringing in some other couples to share about their experiences with finance, money, and their marriage. So today we have some guests on to discuss a little bit more around goal setting. Uh, so we want to welcome Will and Jess Wong. We're excited to have you here today. Welcome. Thank you. We're excited to be here. Hi, guys. It's great to be on the show. I, I love what you guys are doing, Heather and David. You guys are wonderful. Thank, well, thank you so you. much for being here. So uh, we recently just met Will and Jess for the first time on video <laughs> here, but um, found Will on through his podcast. So Will and a couple of his friends, Tim and Jules, have a po- financial podcast called The Financial Classroom that I've been lis- that we've been listening to, and uh, invite wanted to invite him and his wife uh, Jess on to our podcast. So uh, Will and Jess, why don't you tell us a little bit about um, you know yourselves? Where do you guys live? How long have you been married? You know, what do you do for a living? Let us uh, help us get to know um, have our audience get to know you. Yeah, so um, we're from Canada, and if you're familiar with Canada, we live kind of smack dab in the middle towards the west side, if that makes sense. Um, It's really cold where we are right now, minus 40 all week, and that's Fahrenheit and Celsius (laughs) are the same, so it's pretty chilly here this week. Um, But yeah, we're staying warm, and we have been married for um, two and a half years, and we've been together for six years. So Will is in law enforcement and I'm a middle years teacher. So I teach grades six, seven, eight, nine. So, oh, go ahead, David. Oh, I I was just going to ask, what is it that's gotten you excited about the whole concept of money and, and how, and has made you interested in uh, talking today about us, about money and how it relates to your marriage? Yeah. So I feel like the talk about money, I tell this to Jess all the time and the listeners on the financial classroom is that the topic of money is super taboo, especially in the North American culture that I found as a Asian Taiwanese Canadian. Uh, I grew up in Canada and my parents always talk about money in the household. But whereas Jess, when we started dating, she is like the complete opposite. She's like, money is like, no, we don't talk about that. And I found that super common about within families in North America. And so that's why my buddy and I, Tim and then Jules came on lately we decide to start this podcast so we can spread awareness and make money talk less taboo. I think that's great. Um, yeah, I think that's definitely a narrative we want to stop, you know, start changing. Cause I do agree. Like people just think they can't talk about it and then you get married and it's, it, it becomes a big issue, right? Cause you're not used to talking about it. Well, mm-hmm. and, and it's interesting how just different, uh, different geographies, different cultures think about money in different ways. And, and we've noticed that as well since we've moved to, to Singapore. And Heather's had a few stories around work, talking uh, with coworkers about their approaches to, to money and their approach to debt being very different than it is in North America. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's been very eye-opening for us as well, just to see it, how it, it's not just different families. It's 
different geographies and different cultures have very different approaches to, to money. And, and when you bring that all into a marriage, um, there's certainly a lot to talk about. Yeah. And it's the North American culture is like, it's the keeping up the Joneses, that mentality that we talk about all the time that Jess and I, and it's that you go to drive through a neighborhood and there's huge houses and a boat and a mm. brand new vehicle or two vehicles. And the pickup truck is a big thing in North America. And, and you end up having seven out of 10 people living paycheck to paycheck, maybe making good income. And that's just because money isn't talked about. And if you educate people on that, the, the fact that you don't need the greatest thing all the time and you don't have to trade in your vehicle every few years, I feel like you could really become successful down the road financially. That's a really good point. So before we jump into the topic, we have some questions that we want to ask um, any couple that's on our our podcast to kind of round some of our main topics that we've uh, covered and, and with how to handle money in a marriage. So if you wouldn't mind, um, would you mind sharing with us to tell us how you've set up your finances as a couple? Um, we had an episode on this about whether couples do it separate or combined or hybrid. How have you guys and has it has it changed maybe, um, you know, when you first got married to where it is now, how you handle your finances? So um, when we first got married, we decided to keep our bank accounts separate, which I think surprises a lot of people, actually. Um, but, um, I had some student loans when we got married, I had actually been working on already paying them off kind of throughout school. Um, so I had only about 10 grand left, but, um, when we first got married, it was important to me to pay that off with my own paycheck. And so we started with separate bank accounts cause I wanted to, you know, feel like I paid off my own debt, which was fun. Um, and then we just, we've kept them separate since then. And I think <laughs> as you'll, as you'll pick up on, as you talk to Will, um, he's the financial brains in our house and like is always crunching numbers or like sometimes he's focusing really hard and I ask him what he's doing and he's like, I'm just doing math. Like, hold on. So, <laughs> <That's awesome. laughs> you know, he's always like thinking about these things and checking, um, our investments and stuff like that, which is awesome. But I think what we realized is that he also has the tendency to micromanage things. Um, and so having my own bank account is just helpful. He's still like anytime if he's like, Hey, can I see your account or, that kind of thing. He's always like allowed to look at it. We don't keep secrets from each other. Um, and at the end, of, at the end of every month, I'm sure we'll talk about this a little bit later, but um, like I let him know how much I made that month and how much I've saved. So um, there is accountability there, but it just, I think is a little bit um, easier just to have it separate just so that it's not that, Oh, why did you spend that $7 today on whatever it was? So <laughs> that's what worked well for us with our bank accounts. And then I don't know, Will, do you want to talk about our investments? Yeah, so our bank accounts are actually a small percentage of our overall portfolio. Like she has uh, X amount in her account. I have X amount in my account, but together we have a giant massive investment account together where we siphon money in every single month into an investment. So that's growing together. So it's not like everything is separate, but as she's saying, like if money is coming out of her visa or out of my visa, like or if we're buying gifts for each other for Christmas, like we don't see, oh, you spent $300 on something on Amazon. I wonder what that is, vice versa. <laughs> so that's why we have separate bank accounts, but we also together have a giant investment account together. And it sounds yeah. like you're very transparent or open to it. It's not, this is mine and you can't see it if you want to or whatever as well. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah and, exactly. and I think there are certainly a lot of advantages to that approach. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure Heather would would speak to how she wishes that we had some of those advantages at times as well. As <laughs> we have sure. merged, we've merged everything, and it sometimes causes <laughs> specifically her a little bit a little bit of pain, <laughs> or I cause her a little bit of pain on that side. I should say. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and before I came on, I was talking to Jess about how similar we are to you guys, and just listening to even your latest episode, the. The one where you went online and took a bunch of tests. Uh, oh, the per- many personality types. Yes. Yes, and how you are you are the hoarder and you are the the saver type, and she, right. like Heather is more of the spender and vice versa kind of thing. And yeah. And so we're very similar in that way. Where I'm more of the hoarder plot plus saver. Like I'm more focused on that end, and she's definitely the other end. But I think it's actually a good mix instead of having. A relationship where two people are both like save 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 or two people are both spend 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 i think it's actually a good mix to have a bit of both i think that's a really good point that having a, a, some balance so that you can push each other a little bit in a healthy way uh helps so that you don't get too comfortable or, or too tied up in, in saving or too tied up in spending to the point where it, it impacts you negatively yeah, yeah, totally. Like, there's actually times I need to tell Will, like, no, you need to spend money on that. It's actually <laughs> like, that's an important use of your money and you don't need to feel guilty about it. And that's the spender in me is fine with it. But the saver in him just cringes. But <laughs> occasionally exactly. Heather has to remind me to buy shoes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, it's, it's, it's probably time to buy some. Exactly. <laughs> yes. it's like, we can it's... throw out the socks with the holes in them. It's okay. <laughs> exactly. I think we've made their life a lot better, Jess. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there's advantages to being a spender. I just want to say, since we're talking about socks, she actually told me to stop <laughs> ordering socks because I get free socks from work. So like through a certain period, you can order more. So I've been yes. ordering socks and she's actually telling yeah. me to stop. He's now. bound. He has too many. <laughs> so you can start giving them away as gifts now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. Great idea. So you touched a little bit on it at the beginning about the communication, but, um, you know, has that improved or how often do you guys talk about money or is it pretty common? Do you have a regular cadence where you talk about kind of checking in or um, how has the communication worked about talking about money and evolved in your marriage? Yeah, I'm sure that we can't go an entire day without Will bringing up something about money like for real and like with our friends too like it's just on his brain and he's so passionate about it and seeing people succeed financially so that's just a conversation that we naturally have so often or will will be like hey this is what's kind of going on with like the stocks today or like oh I had this conversation with this friend today about money or whatever so that's definitely something we talk about lots in our house but it definitely wasn't always like that and um I had debt I had debt when we were when we started dating I had credit card debt and I had student loan debt and I was not a good manager of my money. And we had some really awkward, tough conversations, um, especially when we started dating, I remember. And I remember just like wanting to run from those conversations. And I remember one of them was like on a two hour car ride and I couldn't go anywhere. But we just had to have this like horrible conversation about like how bad I was with my money. And like, <laughs> I don't know. Oh no. Um, but it had to happen. Right. And like we wouldn't be where we were today or where we are today, if we hadn't have had those tough conversations right at the beginning. And it was better to go into marriage knowing that stuff, right? Mm -hmm. And being aware of each other's weaknesses and um, the history there before we decided to spend our lives together. 
So to add to that, I wasn't lecturing her. It was more of <laughs> he a, was good about it. It was more of a twenty. If a credit card has twenty percent interest, you want to pay that off as soon as possible. Like it was just more of like a logical. Yeah, I, I literally knew nothing. Yeah, kind of conversation. Yeah. But I to add to what the qu- question, I think to start is super important. Obviously you don't want to bring it up on your first date because that's just not good. <laughs> not recommended. <laughs> but if, you, if you're if you a listener out there and you're dating someone right now and you think that's a potential spouse and you guys are in six months, seven, a year relationship, I think the topic of money needs to come up because if someone like us and like you guys is a spender and the other one is a saver, you can't go into a marriage without talking about it because that's just going to cause some conflict down the road. And also bringing up your debt, like Jess was, she was willing to talk about her debt, like how much she owed on a credit card and how much student loans she had. And then vice versa. At the same time, I was like, Kate, hey, this is what I've done. And then this is what brought success to my financial journey. And so having that conversation eventually leads to, normal conversations down the road so for us now money talk isn't taboo anymore because we've made it not taboo it's it's normal now within our household and i think once we have kids down the road, we don't have kids yet we want to be able to bring that up with them and teach them about finances and make it normal i, I like that you called out just how th- that wasn't natural at first like those first couple conversations were really challenging they're they're awkward they're difficult totally and and that's exactly where heather and i started too like it was hard at first and it gets easier and easier as we go i also thought it was interesting that it it, it and correct me if i'm wrong it sounds like you don't have like that one t- one day a month or something like that where you talk about money this is an ongoing conversation for you where you're always talking about how are we doing against our plans and so it's this it's this rolling cycle like Heather and I will have what we call our budget committee where we have a day a month where we designate, OK, this is the day we're talking about how we manage our month or how we managed our budget over the month and what our plan is for the next month. And it sounds like you you just are you flow a lot more. You, you It's maybe even more communication than what we do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we do what you guys do just 31 days in a month. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and I just I just wanted to add to that too and say like we did have some of those tough conversations when we were dating and we've also had tough conversations like that since being married. Like just because we've put it all out there doesn't mean that there aren't still months where Will's like, oh, you spend a lot of money this month. And I'm like, yeah, but please don't look. And he's like, well, can I look? And I'm like, oh, like, like it still happens, right? I still mess up and Will's so gracious about it, but we still have to, you know, still have those conversations and we're not going to be perfect at it every time. And that's okay. Yeah. And I can, we can totally relate to that. And honestly, I think we could learn from you guys because a lot of times I think because I'm a little closer to the numbers and understand it, you know, I kind of know what's happening during the month. Um, Mm -hmm. but I don't necessarily communicate that to David. And so then we get to the end of the month and David's not always like looking at the account as much or tracking or knowing what I'm doing. And then it kind of blows up a little bit. So I think I could actually learn from you guys to be like, okay, when I know things are going off budget or whatever that to let him know it's happening, but Hey, don't worry about it because these things or how I'm thinking about it. So, or or sometimes, sometimes I think we're doing a lot worse during the month than we actually are. And so then I'm I'm panicking about nothing. (laughs) (laughs) So, so it would be good maybe to reel me in a little bit there. (laughs) Yeah. 
So let's switch a little bit now to kind of talk about some longer term and goal setting. We had a recent episode on goal setting and well, I know you and your, your podcast had one. It's this time of the year, starting the year, everybody's thinking about, I mean, it's February now, but thinking about goals and what we're doing. So um, could you walk us through your process for setting goals in your marriage and, you know, financials or personal, you know, do you have a mix of short and long-term, um, you know, how does, how does it differ? You know, do you have long-term savings versus retirement? Are you saving for large purchases? Like, how do you guys think about setting financial goals or goals in your marriage? I think setting goals is super important. And I talked about this on my podcast and I'll stress it again on here because by having goals, you are trying to go after something and it gives you a purpose to try and go after something. So I've always been very goal-oriented. Um, I became a cop at 22. I went to school, graduated after three years of post-secondary. And that's something that I knew what I, I wanted to do. And I had it in my head and I went after it. And then same thing with saving six figures. Like I have a segment, six figure millennial. I wanted to save six figures as early as possible. And by 24, I did that. And it was just having those goals and those numbers in your head and then really breaking it down because sometimes people think about a goal. They're like a big goal. For example, well, even saving a hundred thousand dollars is really daunting for some people. Well, for a lot of people, right? It's a lot of money. Yes. Yeah. So if we break it down saying, I want to save $5,000 maybe in two months. So that's $2,500 every month. Maybe that's more doable now. Or even if you can't do that, it's breaking down. I want to save $1,000 every single month. So $12,000 a year. So if you just break the goals down, it really adds up down the road. In five years, you're going to have $100,000 or $60,000, I guess, but in that math. But down the, if you continue, just break down your goal, you will achieve that goal. And another thing for us is we talk about it, like what we want to achieve. So for example, one thing that's really close to our us is achieving phi which is financial independence and it just came up one day i was listening to the choose fi podcast and it's been a part of me and i heard this episode and it's just like like something just clicked like the why of phi like why you want to achieve it and then i sent it to jess and then we ended up listening it together again and then i kind of got her on board so like if you have a goal that's good for example, if both of you guys want to get into fitness or both of you guys want to eat healthy or whatever it is, if it's a good goal, introduce it to a partner and talk about it and say why you want to achieve that and why it's important to you. Don't say, hey, I want to take up smoking and this is why I want to do it and it's good for you. But take, <laughs> bring up something that's healthy and that will make your marriage even better. Yeah. And Will's really the goal setter in our relationship. And I he just gets me on board with him. Like I'm more of a instant gratification, live in the now, enjoy what I have. I like spending money. That's my jam. <laughs> Will's the big picture person. So it's good. Like I'm so thankful that I married him because um, I, yeah, think about what life would be like if I had not married a saver. <laughs> I, I really like what you said around how goals help bring you together as well, yeah. because I couldn't agree more with that. I think having a healthy goal that you're both working towards it gives you common purpose and it, it improves you financially, but then it also improves your marriage because you're, you're accomplishing something together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Agreed. So you mentioned, uh, Will, you touched on FI. I, we have not covered um, FI or financial independence on our, our podcast. Would you mind sharing a little bit of kind of just what that means to you guys or what that looks like for those who may not be familiar with that terminal term? 
Yeah, uh, I could talk about fire all day. It's it's the <laughs> it's the fire community. So out there, there's a fire community. The acronym stands for financially independent, retire early. So Jess and I are most people focus on more of the financial independent part, independence part, instead of the retire early part. So it basically says that if you build up a big enough nest egg, usually 25 times your annual spending, you can live off that nest egg through your investments and never have to work again and just pull from your investments and live off your investments for the rest of your life. So that's something that we're trying to strive towards where eventually, basically what it's saying is that instead of buying things that brings you happiness, quote unquote, things like a car or a boat that you use one or two months a year, you're buying back time to spend time with your family, spend time with your loved ones, doing things that you truly enjoy that will truly bring you happiness, which for us is spending time with our family and loved ones. And that's that's something that we're really passionate about. And I guess we didn't touch on another huge goal of ours is to buy our like first house kind of in cash. And that's something that wow. most people won't that be able awesome. to do. So say, say a little bit more about that, because I think that's unusual. I don't, I mean, that's something we had wanted. And unfortunately for David, I got him talked into nine. But, <laughs> she muscled uh, me into a phone. <laughs> <laughs> but that's very unusual. So maybe talk a little bit more about, you know, why that's a goal or why you don't want to take on debt for a house, pay cash. Will just likes crazy goals. <laughs> <laughs> He just wants it. to do things that other people aren't doing. I love it. And and you know what? I, I, when it became achievable, like at first it was, okay, I'm going to save $100,000. And then when you get there and then you're like, okay, how much is a house? So if you're looking at a house, like <laughs> three, 400,000, like depending on how much it is, where you live. And the place we want to like eventually settle is in like the craziest, highest cost of living. Yeah, so like, you could buy a good house for like 300K. In the yeah, three, three, area where we'd like to settle. So eventually. as we look at the number and as I looked at the number, I'm like, this is attainable. This is totally achievable. So now we're saving aggressively. And then we're imagining if we're 30 years old and we buy our house in cash and we don't have a mortgage and we continue investing, like, and let, let that compound interest do its thing. Like we can be setting up our kids really well down the road and changing our entire second, third generation down the road. So and like she said, I just like crazy goals. And I feel like having goals is just something that drives me and that pushes me towards that. That's so inspiring. And I, I couldn't agree more with, with the whole idea of let's let's buy in cash. Let's then then we can stockpile all this, uh, all our income in and be able to to build up this wealth for our family so that we have time so that like so that we have all these options. I, I just love that. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, it, it took Heather a little while to get, come around to that, but <laughs> I, I hope she's there now. <laughs> I'm there now. So, so my question for you guys, how does she wrestle you out of that goal? Or oh, because a... I love her too much. <laughs> that's the problem. That's, that's what's going on. Is I don't know what, how that worked, but I think what happened on the last time we bought a house is we had the cash in the bank in investments. So we borrowed just a little bit um, because we didn't want to, it just hurt a lot to cash out. But I think that's what helped him make the decision was, okay, we're going to take out this small mortgage. We're going to knock it off. We knocked it off in less than 18 months. And, um, but we knew like, Hey, if something happens, if someone loses their job, we can pay it off tomorrow. So mm -hmm. 
that was, I think, David, I don't mean to answer yeah, for you. No, that, but... that was the logic that we used when we were going through it in all seriousness was, yeah, we, we could pay it off tomorrow if we really had to, but we still were planning to aggressively pay down the debt. And so when we did buy our, our latest home, we paid it off within three years. Um, after, no, it was after less than 18 months. Or 18, okay. Well, <laughs> 18 months is less than three years. <laughs> You're not wrong. Okay. We paid it off as quickly as possible. But on a yeah. goal but on a goal like that, I mean, that's a big goal. How, what do you do to make the saving process less daunting or easier? I mean, a lot of people, even like you said, a hundred thousand dollars just was like, that's, you know, people see that and it's like, oh my goodness, that's going to take me a million years. How do you guys, especially Will, it sounds like you've got these big goals, these, you know, big hairy goals. How do you make it less daunting and Hey, I can do this. Yeah. So like I said, we talk about it all the time. <laughs> so I, you can't forget about it. Like I know Will's always thinking about it, but he also always reminds me. So I'm also always thinking about it. So the big thing is just communicating. Right. And like, Will is really like setting those goals and he's like, okay, like we hit this saving goal this month. So our goal is to like hit the next 50 K by like in four months or whatever it is. So he's just always like pushing to that next goal. And I, I feel like goal setting is just something I've kind of started to do in the last like year or so of my life. And so I'm, I've, I've never been the per- kind of person who's motivated by goals or like I've never utilized them maybe as a better way to say it. Um, and so I think Will just makes those goals really clear. He kind of makes it a game and like makes it a challenge for himself. Um, he has spreadsheets that he keeps every month. So like every month I'm sending him my numbers, he's putting his numbers in where he's doing all those calculations. It's like his favorite day. December 31st is his favorite day because he gets to do the whole year. <laughs> um, but, and then just it. keeping the end goal in mind, right? Because it's so easy for me to be like, well, I want a nicer car now or I want to like do this now. And he's like, well, our long term goal is to be able to do this. And it's like, OK, right. If we like that'll be so worth it when it comes. But focusing on that big picture instead of the instant gratification. And to add to that, for listeners who are listening to the podcast, if you are young or anyone who is trying to reach a goal, don't be afraid of hard work. That's what I tell people, especially we don't have kids yet, like I mentioned earlier. So right now I take a, I pick up all the older time possible. I work as much as possible right now. I mean, I still have time off and enjoy time with her and have time to do my podcast and stuff, but don't be afraid of hard work. Live below your means. Like you, the question was, how do you save that much? And what do you do to get to that savings rate or, or et cetera? Like last year, we saved almost 70% of our income, I think. Wow, but, that's impressive. But to be able to be intentional about it. So I think I made an extra 35 or 40 grand of overtime last year, just from overtime. And it just being able to like work hard and sacrifice a little bit when you're young, before we have kids and to budget really to not overspend what you make. Cause I could easily go out and go buy a boat or go buy another truck or drive another vehicle. Like, like we upgrade have upgrade my car for me. This is a running <laughs> joke between us two. We drive, there's a 2005 tours in our driver right now and it's got rust on it and it's got a crack in the front. <laughs> and I love the vehicle. We got it for $2,500 or $2,200 somewhere there. And it's we've been driving for three years now and it still runs perfectly. It's it's still it's a great vehicle. So 
It's ugly, but it's be a sense of, There's a sense of pride about that too. When when you have a vehicle like that, and you've you've sacrificed to be able to to achieve your goals, and you look at that vehicle, and you're like, hey, I, I have that vehicle, so I can achieve my goals, and it's almost a reminder mm-hmm. of of your achievements too. Totally. Yeah. We also have a like a 2016 Ram 1500, but so it's not just <laughs> like, which Will wouldn't have bought if he went back and redid it. Yeah. <laughs> but that's one of his financial mistakes. But my biggest thing for people is is vehicles. I, I I could go into that topic another, obviously a whole another topic. But vehicles, like it just drains you. There's insurance, mm-hmm. um, maintenance, and it just drops like a rock in value. So like we really don't care that much about vehicles anymore. So yeah, I don't think that I'm ever gonna get to buy a new car. Um, I, I won't lie. <laughs> I've given up it's that forbidden. goal. <laughs> <laughs> There's just so much depreciation. Spending all that money. And then, and then it just gets chopped by a quarter, like instantly. Mm-hmm. It's that's hard. Can't can't do it. And if you could take that and invest it, it's, it's <laughs> a difference between hundreds of thousands of dollars. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. The compounding interest on it, it it's a huge impact. This so, is a true story. Sorry, I'll yeah. just t- say this real quick. Please. We were at a stoplight one day, and we were driving our 2005 Ford Taurus with the cracks on the front and stuff. A BMW drives beside us. I was driving. Jess was in the passenger seat. BMW was on the right side. Jess looks at the vehicle. like, oh, I wish I had that vehicle. And I looked at her in the eye and I said, would you rather have that vehicle or our bank account? And she yeah. says, never mind. I'd rather have our bank account. Yeah. And that was the end of that. <laughs> right. You, you, you could buy that vehicle today, but is that the right decision? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Right. You shut me down real quick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What do you think uh, the impact has been uh, to your marriage, either positively or negatively, in working towards these financial goals? What do you think has been the biggest change? I think the biggest change for us is being able to totally be on the same page. Because in the past, like having, especially because we we haven't been married for a long time. So when we first got married, it's like you want to just live that regular life. You go to your job, you retire after X amount of years of working. And she's a teacher, so I'm a police officer. And you just you don't have a long term goal or long term thing you're striving towards. And the fact that we've been talking and the fact that we've been setting goals and dreaming about these goals has really changed our mindset, even 10 years down the road, like just being able to completely change our life that way. So since I discovered Phi, it's like, wow, you don't have to work till you're 60 or till you're 70 or 65. And there's people out there who have to work because because they have to. They not can't because afford they not to. Not because yes. they want to. And for us, it's like, well, when we're in our 40s or, or 50s, we should be traveling the world like all over yeah. because we would have this giant essay. On top of that, I'll have a pension from my work and she has a pension from my work. So it's like, quadruple income if we it would just be awesome like down the road and it's obviously you don't always want to live just for retirement but that's just something once you have a goal it's so it's so cool to be able to try and achieve that together yeah i think too they like one of the biggest causes of um divorce is money issues right people are keeping secrets Mm -hmm. or not agreeing on how to do things and so for us just like putting that right out on the table. Even before we were engaged, we had conversations about that and um, continuing to have them. And sometimes you have to have those conversations and it's like, Hey, I messed up or like, I shouldn't have done this. I'm sorry. Or like, 
you know, you need to go return that thing you bought because that was a bad use of money. Like things like that happen, but it's, we're gracious with, we're, Will's gracious with me. <laughs> he doesn't spend money, but uh, yeah, he's gracious with me. We have those conversations. And I think that's just, that's huge for marriage. The more you are transparent and honest with each other about those things, like the healthier your marriage is going to be. Yeah. And negatively, I don't think really there's any negative uh, aspect of trying to achieve financial goal together. And with that being said, I think something that's been super important to us is also giving. And I don't mm. think this gets talked about a lot in the FI mm-hmm. community or things like that. So Jess has been the one that really has that influence over me. So she's obviously the spender, but the giving part has been has been big for her. Like so now we have a separate account where we just put money in there for giving. And that's just something that we have now too. And we don't when I count my net worth or we count our savings rate, we don't count, we take that out and we don't include that in our total savings. I, I like the idea of segmenting that giving money o- apart so that that ensures that you're actually going to be giving the amount that you have budgeted to give that that year. Right. So yeah. that that money is always there and, you know, that's going out the door. And I think we're we have a very similar dynamic where Heather's the one that oftentimes reminds me, oh, yeah, we need to we need to do this giving this month or we need to give a little bit more at the end of the year in order to achieve our giving goals for this year. And so. Um, I, I could see how we could benefit maybe even from having that separate giving account just to make yeah. sure that we're hitting those numbers yeah. better. Yeah, and we really like that setup because every month, like I transfer, I, I transfer 10% of my paycheck every month um, to my account. And I, I'm not sure what Will's numbers are exactly on that, but he transfers some in every month too. And then we don't necessarily touch it every month, right? But then, you know, an opportunity comes up to bless someone and, oh, hey, we have like, this X amount of money in here, like let's give that. That's literally sitting there for that. And so then it's so fu- so much fun to use it because it's literally money that we're not allowed to touch, right? So right, yeah, yeah, great idea. That is awesome. So you've kind of touched on this a little bit, but just one last question for you guys would be: What advice would you have for a couple that can't fathom how you know what you're doing is even possible? So I know you've shared a little bit, but kind of what would be the advice you would give a couple? Well, as a natural spender and someone who had a lot of, like, not a lot of debt, but debt before we got married, if I can do this, anyone can do it. Um, (laughs) But really the biggest thing for me is accountability, because I know that if I wasn't married to Will, um, I wouldn't, like, we have credit cards, but Will's the kind of guy who, like, pays his credit card off every couple days, and he makes sure that I pay mine off every couple days too, right? So I'm not overspending on my credit card. I'm not ending up in debt on it. If I lived alone, wasn't married, I would not be allowed to have a credit card, and I know that about myself. So the accountability piece, I think, is huge. Like, I know that every month Will's going to say, okay, like, hey, how much did you make at work this month? Like, how much did you save this month? And if those numbers aren't adding up, I know that he's going to be asking questions about it. And and if he wasn't, I'm I'm sure that I would spend, like, most of my paycheck every month because that's just, like, my um, natural tendency kind of. So um, if you're, if you're married, then hopefully your spouse is on board and can keep you accountable. But if you're single or, um, or if your spouse isn't on board, then have another friend that you can check in with every month, because that accountability piece is literally what keeps me from not making stupid money decisions. Yeah. And I think also it's the mindset that has to change. Mm. You could lead a horse to the river, but you can't force it to drink or some, some sort of saying <laughs> like that. It's, it's yep. really that mindset that has to change because if you don't want to change, I've tried to help certain friends. Like there's friends that are really, really 
receptive and they completely do a 180, but there's other people who do not want to change. So if you're out there and you look at this giant goal that we have as impossible, financially, you have to want to change yourself first. And then once you do, then start looking at all the things that you can cut out. So I've had friends where they look at their subscription, all of a sudden they have Crave TV, they have Netflix, they have Disney Plus, they have Amazon Prime, all these things, and they half the time they don't use them. So cancel those monthly subscription that you don't use. Print out your credit card statements and highlight all the groceries for what a month, highlight all the entertainment for a month, highlight all your shopping in a different color every single time, and then break it down. You're spending $800 eating out, that needs to change. You're spending X amount of money on your vehicles, that needs to change. So it's just the little things that need to add up. But first of all, it's your mindset that needs to change. And on top of that, like Jess said, listen to podcasts all the time. Like me, I, I before on the show, we talked about, I listen to podcasts all the time. Surround yourself with like-minded people and listen to this show. Um, you guys are doing a wonderful job. And if you want a great marriage and a good podcast, listen to them financially and just check, the, continue <laughs> listening to the, this podcast. Oh, I, I love that endorsement. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> thank you so yeah. much. Oh, I was just going to say, it's so huge. Like even on Facebook, there's groups like Dave Ramsey, someone that Will and I have listened to frequently. And now this Choose FI podcast and like there's Facebook communities where people are posting things and like, you know, getting encouragement from each other. So even if you feel like you're alone, like you feel like your friends or your family aren't really supportive, like find an online community that will support you and that, that will encourage you and kind of spur you on to, um, yeah, even to set goals. Maybe it's not even to reach goals. Maybe it's to set them in the first place. Yeah, that's great advice. Well, thank you guys so much. It's been so awesome getting to meet you and hearing from you and, and sharing. Uh, thanks for being willing to open and talk about it, not just with each other, but with the <laughs> this community as well. Um, Will, why don't you share a little bit about where people can find your podcast and your social media? Yeah, you bet. So I am one of the hosts for the, the Financial Classroom. We're on Facebook. Uh, email us at financialclassroom at gmail.com. If you have questions for us, uh, you could check us out on Instagram at Financial Classroom as well as any podcast platform. Whatever you're listening to with this podcast right now, you could just Google the Financial Classroom and you'll find my podcast. Uh, we also have our numbers. Uh, yeah, well, we'll set up an Instagram account um, several months ago How in the summer, I think, maybe in July or August. He set up a Instagram account where he just talks about financial things that like he's learning or we're learning and also kind of shares like our um, financial goals each month and like how that's are going. So that is at money wise marriage on Instagram. So if you're interested in following along on our journey that way, um, yeah, give us a follow on Instagram. It's great. And I recommend everybody to go follow these guys are great. Listen to yeah. the podcast, follow the Instagrams. <laughs> Thank you. Podcast, Thank a you. lot of great advice out there. So yeah, really appreciate you coming out. I, I, I think that about wraps up our conversation for today. Uh, of course, we'd love to hear from you, the audience, on how your conversations around money have gone or to take your questions on a future episode. Please email us at marriageandmoneypodcast@gmail.com, or you can message us on Instagram at marriage.and.money. Also, please continue to rate and review us on iTunes as that'll continue to help us reach more people. Thank you once again for joining us this week. And remember that whether you're a spender or a saver, your best financial life lies somewhere in the middle. 